Good evening, good to see everyone back this evening. Thankful that you're here. If you would, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to pick up where we left off this morning. I know in the bulletin it said it's going to be a different lesson, but those that were here this morning, I had too much to say in one lesson, so we're going to say it too. Uh, we Just a quick review, just a quick review to get everybody up to speed. You've heard the phrase, life is what you make of it. And we decided that is true in every aspect of our life, and it's true even here. As a Christian, as a member of the Willow Avenue Church of Christ, what you experience here, how you feel here, is what you make of it. What you decide in your mind that, that you're going to be, that you're going to do, that, that's what's going to come to pass. We base this on Romans chapter 12, verse 18, where the Bible says, if it is possible, as much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Your ability to have a peace within you, he says, in part, depends upon you. You can't control everything on the outside, but you can control what's on the inside. And in talking about this, we said we just want to live a practical Christian life. We just want to, to just realize and understand what it is God would have us to do to be the kind of Christian he would have us to be, to be able to have peace with other people, to have the relationships that we all long for, just to be God's people. And if you want to find out what that is, I, I encourage you, and, and someone told me this morning, uh, long ago someone here told them, read Romans chapter 12 every day and your life will be better. And isn't that true? I could read it every day and I, I still wouldn't do it all like I should, but yet, brethren, it is, it is so, it's so easy to take these things and understand them, but some of them are very difficult to do. We began our study and we said that God expects us to present our bodies to Him as a living sacrifice. The actions that we take, God expects us to take actions He wants us to take. And we do that, verse 2, by transforming our mind. We talked about the fact we've got to learn to think how God thinks. We've got to learn to, to get rid of our human wisdom, and focus on His divine wisdom. We've got to think soberly. God's given each of us something. We've got to think soberly about that. Don't be haughty and arrogant and prideful. Don't do that. Get rid of that. Verses 4 and 5, we are a family. We're a family. Each one of us, we work together. There is not a person that's irreplaceable. If one person falls off, you pick up their slack. As a family, that's what we do. In verses 6 through 8, God's given us all something we can do for Him. Focus on what it is and you be you when it comes to whatever that is. In verse 9, the Bible says, let love be without, the New King James says hypocrisy, the, the King James says dissimulation. And the word simply means don't be hypocritical in your love for one another. Love needs to be something as a Christian that is genuine. You know, it's easy it's easy to talk to one another, and we can say, I love you, right? And don't we tell each other that? Man, we love you, we're praying for you, and, but is it truly genuine? Uh, that's a question we've got we've to ask ourselves. It's easy to say the words, it's easy to, to pretend and have the good intentions, but it's difficult sometimes to truly love each other. Sometimes the problem with, with loving each other is there's, there's envy and strife and bitterness and, and backbiting and, and gossip and, and all of these other things going on in our life, and our love is not truly genuine. I want you to think back to, 
to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, the church was established. 3,000 people obeyed the gospel, and they continued daily, right? They continued daily. They're converting people. Uh, they're, they're spending time together. They're eating together. They want to be together. You carry on through. You get to Acts chapter 4. What do you see about verse 32? Well, the multitude, they were of one mind and one spirit. They're of one heart. They wanted to be together. They enjoyed each other's company. In fact, they loved each other. What about us as Christians? It's an easy thing for God to tell us that, right? Let your love be without hypocrisy. But again, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's, that is a most difficult thing. You know, in verse 9, he's going to tell us to let our love be without hypocrisy. But do you realize that, that he's going to spend the rest of this chapter telling us how to do that? How to be the loving Christian, the loving individual to not only other Christians, but to the whole world. He's going to tell us how to do that. He says, let love be without dissimulation. He says, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. The word abhor literally means to hate. As a Christian, God expects us to hate evil. And if I went around the room and I asked, do you hate evil? And if you ask me, do you hate evil? Here's what we want to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hate evil. I hate anything that goes against God. And let's be real, though. Let's be real. Do we truly hate evil? Or, or do we hate the consequences of evil? You ever thought about the difference? You know, sometimes, whether or not we hate evil, sometimes that depends upon the company that we're in, right? Isn't there sometimes in our lives that, that we would not have any part whatsoever in whatever this activity is, but you let us be with a different group that may think that activity is okay, and what, do, what happens? Don't we change sometimes? Does God change? No. He, he says, I, I want you to hate evil. I don't want you to just hate it and repent after you get caught. Do we do that? Do we do that? Maybe, maybe somebody finds out something we've been doing and all of a sudden we want to make it right and, and we want to repent, but is, does that really mean you hate evil? See, again, sometimes we hate the consequences, but sometimes we don't truly hate evil. He says, I want you to hate evil. I want you to shun it. I want you to try to get away from it. And he says, I want you to cleave. I want you to hold on to things that are good. In our lives, in our lives, honestly, what do we fill our minds with? We watch TV, we listen to music, and we read books, and nothing wrong with any of those things whatsoever. But what are the things that appeal to us as a Christian? You ever consider that? He says, I want you to hate this bad thing, but I want you to cleave just to hold on and try to get as much as you can of this good thing. But when it comes to, to maybe TV and other things, what do we like the most? Whatever's the juiciest, right? Whatever's, you know, gonna, uh, all the drama. And I, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's wrong to watch something like that. I'm just saying, as a Christian, do we truly keep that verse? You see, that's hard. That's hard. And again, I said the, the transforming of our mind. We talked about it this morning. It, it's not something that happens immediately. Transforming means to change. And, and it's in essence repenting. You're changing the way you think. And that comes gradually. Through, through years of, of experience and 
the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 5, verse 14, we exercise our senses to know the difference between right and wrong. We learn, or we should learn, as we get older and as we mature to understand what is the difference between right and wrong. And as a Christian, I can't hate evil and love good unless I truly understand what evil and good is. So you see, there comes the importance of, of being able to know that as a Christian. I've got to be able to understand these things and tell the difference between the two. He goes on and he's again talking about the love that we're to have. He says, be kindly affectionate one to another. In brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. I want to ask you something. As Christians here at Willow Avenue, are we kindly affectionate one to another? Peter said in 1 Peter 1.22, seeing you purified your soul and obeying the truth, listen to this, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. When you become a Christian, you should have a sincere love of your brothers and sisters. You should have a relationship with those people. You share something with those people that nobody else in the world has. The world doesn't have what a Christian has. So therefore, you and I, we should be closer to Christians than anybody else. Jesus said in John chapter 13, when He had washed the apostles' feet, He said, you got to love one another. you got to serve one another. And He went on to say, by this, by the love, the service that you have for one another, people's going to know who you belong to. You ever considered that? Have you ever considered that, that we are to love each other not because of, of, of who we are, or who you are. I'm not to love you simply because of who you are. You're not to love me because of who I am. But we're to love each other because of whose we are. Who we belong to. Do we get that? Do we get the fact that, that Jesus Christ came to save us and, and all of us as Christians are His family? Again, we, we alluded to that this morning. We are a family. And a family should love each other. A family should get rid of the bitterness and the bickering and the complaining and, and all of those things. And we've got to pull together, especially when times get difficult. And we go through difficult times. We go through them here. And it's time as Christians that we get rid of all that bad stuff. We, we hate that which is evil and we hold on to that which is good. You see, go back to the beginning of the lesson. Life is what you make it. As a child of God, as a member of the church here, what do you focus on? Do you focus on the bad things? The things you don't like? Or do you focus on the things that you do? And the things that you can improve and grow and, and, and mature on? We've got to ask ourselves those things. Be kindly affectionate one to another. We've got to stop worrying so much about our rights. Isn't that what we do with one another? We worry and we focus on what we want, when we want it, what we deserve, what we should have. That's not biblical. That's not biblical at all. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. He says, look not only, look out only for your own interest, but look out for others' interest. Don't focus on yourself. Don't always focus on your rights. But instead, what if we changed, we transformed our mind, and we started focusing on our duties as a Christian? What about right here at Willow Avenue? Let's quit worrying about what we want. And what if we started worrying about what He wants? 
think things would be different? You think we'd be closer? You think there'd be more unity and peace and harmony? If we quit worrying about what we want and we quit focusing on our rights and we focus on our duties, I think it would change so much in my life, personally. In my life, sometimes that, that's our problem. Sometimes as Christians, we're not close together. Sometimes as Christians, it's, it's almost as we are in a competition. You ever felt like that? That Christianity is almost a competition amongst Christians? I'm going to tell you something. There's no competition. Jesus says you're all one in Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. There's no big eyes, little U's. Go back to verse 3. You've got to realize, don't think more highly than you should. Realize who you are. We are brethren. We should want and desire to always be together, to have that brotherly love. He says when honor is to be had, he said you should prefer somebody else. That is, that is hard. You see, we live in a selfish culture, and we raise a selfish bunch of people, and everything in, in society is focused on whom? Me, right? I want to get what's mine. I'm going to take care of mine. It's me, 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 me. That's what we focus on. But Paul says if you want to be at peace, if you want to have Christianity that, that you can enjoy, focus it on you and focus on somebody else. Jesus didn't come to this earth to get honor. If Jesus did not come to get honor, what in the world do I think I'm the one that needs it? It's not about me. And if we can make our Christianity not about us, and we will start making it about others. Again, forget about your rights. Focus on your duties. Focus on serving other people. Focus on building up other people. I promise you the best feeling you will ever have is doing good for other people. Helping somebody else out. That's what Christianity is about. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what we get. And when we think like that, that's our problem. We've got to transform that. We've got to turn that. We've got to change that. He says we've got to prefer one another. Verse 12, or verse 11, excuse me. He says not slothful in business. The New King James is going to say not slothful in diligence. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Don't be cold and indifferent. He says be fervent in spirit. He says serve the Lord. Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man shall work. Was Jesus a lazy man? I want you to consider this just for a moment. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, how much rest did he get? You ever just stop to think about that? He was going constantly, right? He, he was always, man, I mean, you'll be reading this like they've been traveling all day, they are completely exhausted, but the people needed him, right? And what did he do every time? He went to the people. Don't be slothful. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, Whatsoever thy hands find to do, do it with all thy might. You want to be a Christian, you be the best Christian you can be. That's what Paul's saying. Don't just be half-hearted. Don't be lukewarm. And John talked about that in Revelation 3. And we understand how Jesus feels about lukewarmness. Be fervent. Have some zeal about you. Be a servant. Develop the mindset and the attitude of a servant. I promise you, life will be better. Life will be easier. He says we need to, verse 12, we need to rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. I want you to consider that with me just for a moment. 
As Christians, do we have something to be happy about? Have you ever stopped to think in the midst of all the things going on around us that we get upset about and complain about and don't like, as a Christian, do we have something to be thankful for? Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, every need you have, he will what? He says, I take care of the birds, don't I? I take care of the flowers, don't I? I take care of everything else. He says, stop worrying and realize, I'm going to take care of you too. Do you realize that, that God is working things out in our life? Romans 8, verse 28, all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them who are called according to His purpose. And that doesn't mean everything in your life is always going to be rosy, but God wants in your life for you to go to heaven. And God is providentially working through each one of us. How does He, how does he do that? We don't understand, but we know that He does. So God provides. God works through us. Do you realize when life throws things at you, things that you don't think you can bear? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, There is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But with every temptation, God will make a way of escape. You ever thought about that? You never realize or ever even just sit around and think about the fact, no matter what comes your way, God's going to provide a way out of it. God will be with you. Do we have reason to rejoice? Do we have things to, to be thankful for? We talked about in Bible class this morning, God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. God answers our prayers. Do you realize what an awesome blessing it is to be able to come before the throne of our Creator? Do we grasp that? Do we realize the fact that Ephesians 1 verse 7, He has redeemed us, He has forgiven us our sins through the washing of, through His blood? He has saved us as Christians. And when you take all of those things and multitudes more, should we rejoice in hope? Philippians 4 verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's Christian. As Christians, it's time we start being a happier people. You realize in the, in the Beatitudes, blessed is the man. Blessed, blessed, blessed. You know what blessed means? Happy. You want to be a happy person? rid of yourself, focus on Him, you'll be a blessed person. You'll be a happy person. You will be a peaceful person. You rejoice in hope. You be patient in tribulation. Are hard times going to come? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes hard times come. But you realize the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, but our light affliction just for a moment. And it works for a more exceeding weight of glory. Now I want you to think about that just for a second. The Apostle Paul said his affliction was light. Let me ask you something. Anybody ever been through what he went through? You, you ever went through all of those things where he, he goes through that whole list? You know, I was beaten five times. I was shipwrecked. I was left a night and day in the deep. I've won, you know, he's done all of these things. He's been stoned, he's been whipped multitudes of times, and the Apostle Paul says, but our light affliction. What if we started looking at it like that? Would we be more patient in tribulation? Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed within us. Do you realize what he's doing? He's making a contrast. On this hand, he says, 
no matter how bad it is on this earth, no matter what you might have to endure, no matter if you think it's the worst thing that is absolutely possible, he says you can't even contrast it to how good it's going to be someday. When we know that, can we be more patient when hard times come our way? And listen, I'm the first one to admit that's hard. That's hard when things aren't going well in your own life. And you've got all of these things seems like collapsing down on you. He says, be patient. In the Old Testament, didn't God tell the people several times to wait upon the Lord? Wait upon the Lord. He's there. He's not leaving. He says, you rejoice in hope, you be patient in tribulation, and you continue instant in prayer. He says, as Christians, listen, we need to be a praying people. And a praying people doesn't mean, and we've talked about this for the last two Sundays in class, it doesn't mean we have to stop and bow our heads. We can pray on a continual basis. It doesn't matter what we're doing. We can pray to God. And we should be praying for one another. I've been saying I'm going to do this, but I don't. I've been saying I'm going to make a list on my phone of people I need to be praying for. Because I'm going to be honest, sometimes I forget. Don't you? Sometimes don't you think, I'm going to pray for this person, I need to pray about this, and what happens? Ah, Sometimes it goes in my mind and right out my ear or somewhere. I don't know where it goes, but it's gone. And I need to improve that. I need to work on that in my life, and I'm sure you do too. But see, these are things that if we will do, man, Christianity would be so much better. He says, distributing to the necessities of the saints. You realize the word distributing means to become a partner? Galatians 6, verse 10 says, Therefore, as you have opportunity to do good to all men, help everybody, but he says, especially to the household of the saints especially to those people that are Christians. Do you realize the Apostle Paul here said, as a Christian, I need to be your partner. Here at Willow Avenue, I need to be your partner. We already said this morning as Christians, verse 4 and 5, we're members one of another. We belong to one another. We are part of one another. And here he says, I am to be your partner helping you through your life. Go back again to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says these people, they had one heart and one soul. But listen to this. He said neither of them thought the things that they possessed were their own. But what did they do? They willingly shared them. What if we did that? Do you think we really look like the first century church? Be honest with yourselves. Do you think we really look like the first century church? Do you think any of us, maybe some of you do, I I don't know, But this is a hard one. The first century church, they didn't think anything they had was their own. But they freely gave it to whoever had need. Is he talking about socialism? No. No, because they were wealthy people. The Bible says some of these people, they had lands and houses. They had multitudes of things. But they would share those things. What if we shared with one another like the first century church? Think things would be different? Probably so. That's hard. That's hard. You know what we do sometimes? You remember the rich man and Lazarus? Lazarus, he wanted what? Crumbs from the rich man's table. Crumbs from the rich man's table. But do you remember who the rich man was? What does the Bible say about this guy? Does it say he was a multi-millionaire? Here's what the Bible said. He fared sumptuously 
and he had nice clothes. That's what it said. He had plenty to eat, and he had nice things to wear. Who's the rich man? You ever considered that? We are, right? Every one of us. And right here, he says, you want to be a Christian that, that, that I can be proud of? This is God speaking to us. He says, be a partner of one another. Look out for each other. He says, distributing to the necessities of the saints, given to hospitality. The word given literally means to pursue. To pursue. All right, let me ask another question. There's probably not a person in this assembly, if I ask you to help me, you would help me, right? That's not what he said to do. He didn't say if somebody asks, you give it to them. He says literally, I want you to pursue hospitality. I want you to go out and find somebody to help. When I say we don't like to do that, right? Because if we do that, then we get rid of, you know, we lose more of what we've got. So we're just going to kind of keep it, and if somebody needs it, then we'll help them, but otherwise we're just going to kind of leave it alone. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just being honest. That's, that's what it says. We are to pursue hospitality. He says, bless them which persecute you, Bless and curse not. You ever angry with someone? You ever just, just really find someone that you don't like? Whatever it is about them, maybe it's just their personality, just whatever it is, you don't like them. Well, the Bible says you bless them, you don't curse them. You don't talk about them. Instead, you pray for them. Let me ask you something. Just say you don't like me. I hope nobody's shaking their head. Don't do it in front of me. You don't like me, right? You can't stand to even look at me. What if you went home and you prayed for me every day? Think your attitude would change? Let me ask you something. How hard would it be to have ill, hard feelings towards somebody that you're constantly praying for? Oh, that'd be hard, wouldn't it? That'd be a difficult thing. You see, because if I'm praying for someone and I truly love that person, I want what's best for them, that's going to transform my thinking. It's going to change the way I view things. And I'm going to start viewing it more the way God would have me to view it. He goes on to say in verse 15, he says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. As a Christian, he says, if you are having good times in your life, man, I don't need to be envious about it. I need to be happy about it. I need to rejoice with you. And if you're going through hard times in life, I need to weep with you. You say, okay, that's easy. I understand that's what it means. Let me ask you something. How can we do that if we don't know each other? Consider that. If all we have here at Willow Avenue is I see you on Sunday morning, if that's all we have, and I know we're a big congregation, a lot of people, but if that's all we have is, hey, how you doing? Good. And especially us men, don't we try to hide everything that we might be going through? My wife always fussed on me. She said, it doesn't matter how bad you feel, you'd always say you're fine. Probably true. I do always say I'm fine. But you see, as Christians, we've got to learn to know each other more. We've got to learn to open up to each other more. We've got to learn to pray for each other more. James 5.16 starts out, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Then it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But he starts it, tell each other your shortcomings. Talk to each other about what you're going through. And then he says, pray for each other. Why? You'll have a better life. You'll have a better life. You'll enjoy being a Christian more. 
God will be pleased with you more. You see, these things aren't hard to understand. Man, they're hard to do. He says, be of the same mind one toward another. Don't we have the same goal? Doesn't everybody in this room right now on the sound of my voice, don't you have the same goal? Aren't you here to worship the God of heaven? Don't you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Aren't we Christians the same way and we believe the same thing? He says, be of the same mind one to another. Realize that. We're not against each other. Be unified. He says, mind not high things. Don't be too fancy. Sometimes in life, sometimes people get too big for their britches. I don't know any other way to say it. But don't people do that sometimes? Don't we sometimes we think we're more than, than what we are? And what is that to most people? That's a turnoff, right? He says, don't do that. Don't, don't mind high things. He says, instead, he says, but condescend to men of low estate. Let me ask you something. You ever drop names? Now think about it. You ever drop names of somebody you know, somebody you're friends with? And if it's somebody that's wealthy and powerful, we're proud to drop that name, right? I know so-and-so, and, you know, I mean, I went and ate with him one time. I did whatever this, but that's not what it says. He says, don't mind high things. Don't focus on that. But instead, he says, condescend. Bring yourself down to people of low estate. You know the best people on the face of the earth? People that are humble and kind and don't think they're too good for something else. Isn't that what James chapter 2 is all about? He says, brethren, if a man come into your assembly and, and he looks like a million bucks... That doesn't mean you treat him better than the other guy that comes in in a pair of ragged clothes. He says, that's not what Christianity is all about. And Paul here is saying the exact same thing. Treat everybody the same. Humble yourselves. Get rid of, of arrogance. He says, be not wise in your own conceits. Don't be a know-it-all. Nobody likes a know-it-all. And sometimes we struggle with that, don't we? He says, don't do that. Again, all of this is, is how we're going to be more at peace and more unified and, and enjoy Christianity. He says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Don't, don't try to get people back. Are people going to wrong us? Yeah. Jesus said if somebody slaps you on one cheek, what do you do? You turn the other cheek and, and go ahead. He's not saying just be a wimp and roll over and let everybody just abuse. That's not what he's saying. But he says don't be like... A child, if somebody hits you, you've got to hit them back. In essence, that's the simplest way to put it. Don't, don't, you know, repay evil for evil. He says, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Live your life honorably. Be honest with people. Again, it's that simple. These things are not hard things. Back to our verse that began all of this. He said, if it is possible, and I want you to notice something, sometimes it may not be possible to be at peace with people. Sometimes people make it impossible. But, here's what he says, as much as depends on you, or King James says, as much as life within you, well, you live peaceably with all men. Listen, people are going to do things that are you know, outside of your control. People are going to act in ways that you can do absolutely nothing about. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Every person in this room, including yours truly, I, I can control me if I really want to. I can control me. I choose whether or not how I'm going to react to a situation. We all choose that. 
And we can choose to, to live in, in, like I said, bitterness and, and, and discord and all of that. We can choose to be a troublemaker. We can choose to stir up people about problems in the church. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says in Proverbs 6 verse 19 that the Lord hates. He despises. It's an abomination to Him. People that sow discord among the brethren. He hates it. Don't be a troublemaker. Don't be a troublemaker. If you've got a problem, don't try to get people on your side. Don't try to get people to come around to your way of thinking. It doesn't work. And I'm going to tell you something. The Lord hates it. The Lord despises it. So if you've got a problem and you hate something, that's your problem. And you work on that yourself. Because you see, this depends upon you to be at peace with other people. And God's going to hold us to that standard. He's going to hold us accountable. Quickly, we'll finish up. He says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Pretty much the same thing that he said in verse 17. Don't avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Are people going to mistreat us and do us wrong and talk about us and, and abuse us? Yes. Let me tell you something. God's going to take care of that. God will take care of it. He's got it handled. He says, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt reap coal, or heap coals of fire on his head. He says, be not overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. What about Jesus? How did he live his life? Was he overcome with the evil that surrounded him? Did he conform to the world? In essence, verse 21 goes back to verse 2. Did he conform to the world or was he transformed? Did he see things differently, do things differently? You know the answer to that. He did things differently. Tonight, I hope the lesson has been some benefit to you. I didn't tell you anything that's super special or fancy. We just opened the book of the Bible, or a chapter of the Bible. And we examined it, and, and it is such, again, a practical chapter of the Bible. Tonight, I want you to ask yourself, in thinking about all of these things, number one, are you a Christian? If you're not a New Testament Christian, you can become one tonight. You can believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, be willing to repent, to transform the way you think and confess his name and be baptized tonight and be a Christian. Most of you are Christians. And, and I've realized that the invitation is offered and I, I don't know, not many people repent anywhere anymore. Not many people come forward. I even had a preacher tell me here a while back, we need to do away with that. Nobody comes forward anymore. I don't agree with that. Somebody might need to. Somebody might want to. Tonight, maybe you think about your life. And maybe you think about some of these things that we've talked about and maybe you realize that, you know, you're not at peace. Maybe you realize that, that the, as much as depends upon you, maybe you realize I've not handled that right. Maybe you're unhappy tonight and, and you realize that it's, it's your fault. You focus too much on you and not enough on Him. Maybe you've just not been a peacemaker. Maybe you've been a discord sower. I don't know. But God knows. You realize that's the scariest part? doesn't matter what you think or what you feel or what you think you know. God knows. God knows our hearts. God knows how we act. God knows what we do, even when we're by ourselves. And that's scary. We're going to stand before Him someday, and we've got to give account for all of those things. So tonight, tonight, if your Christianity is not what you want it to be, you've got a chance to make it right. You can transform tonight. You can change tonight. If you need to come forward, why don't you come while together we stand and sing?